0: Welcome to Fine-Tuning with Drew Taylor, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation, news, and commentary. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and Mr. Taylor whose writings on the industry you can regularly read over on the rap and whose musings on the Mission of Possible movies you can listen to on the Light the Fuse podcast, he and I are recording this week's show on Sunday, February 12th, 2023, Super Bowl Sunday. But you've been out doing other things out in L.A. recently. is that right, Drew?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I the first thing is, you know, that I had a really great conversation with friend of the show, mm-hmm. friend of this show. But although Jim Jim wanted to point out that really he is the favorite, he is the constant in oh. this. But we talked to I talked to Josh Gad for a very long time because the movie was so late. Oh, starting on Monday at mm-hmm. Ant Man Quantum Mania, mm-hmm. and you will you will love that Josh did not let anything slip about the announcement, which we will be getting into, I'm sure, about Frozen Three. Yeah,
0: yes. That is part of the new segment for this week's show. So you you got to the Ant Man Quantum Mania premiere, but didn't you also make it to the Lumiere Awards? Or yeah, have you ever been to this uh, event, Jim? I haven't, but I was so enjoying Guillermo showing off. He really loves that award. I, you know that? Yeah, the, yeah.
1: yes. <laughs> I got to talk to him before the show started because mm-hmm. I was but bo- bothering him earlier in the week about something else but mm-hmm. yeah what, what's interesting is it used to be a giant event there would be like 600 industry people mm-hmm. and then after the pandemic it kind of condensed into this intimate luncheon mm-hmm. at the Beverly Hills Hotel which I'd actually never been to because they never do any junkets over there but is an amazing mm-hmm. hotel mm-hmm. I mean the chandelier in this room alone I was just <laughs> looking up and staring at it is so wonderful. wonderful. So then they said, you know what, we're going to just keep it this way. So it was very intimate. You know, I got to say hello to the team from Avatar. Mm -hmm. John Landau was there. Boz Lerman was there. It was a really nice group of people. And also, I walked down the stairs and who did I see? My favorite person in animation, Mm -hmm. of course, Angus McLean, director of Lightyear, was there and he picked up an award. So that was a lot of fun. Good to hear. We'll have to get you out next year, Jim, and you'll have to sit. And eat the nice lunch.
0: Speaking (laughs) of friends of the show, just on our last show, you were talking about Andreas Deja. Did you see the thing that bubbled up on Twitter just this morning? I
1: saw it, and I was—I honestly, Jim—I was a little upset
0: that I was not invited. I me as well. I mean, (laughs) well, all right, folks. What we're talking about here is Mushka. Okay, how long have we been following this project? It's got to be over a decade at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: All right, so hand-drawn, 28-minute-long movie. Evidently, last night, there was a cast and crew screening of Mushka, is this thing actually going to get out of the festival circuit this year, you think? or I don't
1: know. I, I'm going to send him a note tomorrow and say, like, how can we help? And I invite him on the show and yeah. say if you want to come on, you know. Yeah. So one of the last times I talked to him about it, he was talking to Disney Plus about it. Okay. So it would be great if that actually happened. I haven't followed up. But, yeah, Andreas is a lovely man and a stream totally. talent and – We were talking about his show at the museum, the Walt Disney Family Museum, which is open for another month. There we go. uh,
0: Yeah. One of the reasons why you and I have to get in lockstep here to help out, because, by the way, there is an official Mushka website now. So go check that out. But the log line for this thing is, A Story of Love and Sacrifice Set in Russia. No, brother! <laughs> yeah, that kind of a tough time to to be bringing a a story set in that world. You know, I mean, to be walking around to studios and streaming. It service. could
1: have been set in a in a Chinese spy balloon. Jen, <laughs> just think about that.
0: <laughs> okay, so well, that could have been even worse. <laughs> well, this is the thing. I if you go through the materials, you get a sense that. There's already some massaging going on. Like if you read the actual description of the site, it's, it talks about Mushka tells the story of a Ukrainian girl, Sarah, who raises a Siberian tiger during the 1970s. But at the same time, if you drill down into the site, they also mention this is a film about a Russian girl and a Siberian tiger. So I think there is a sense that, okay, this is kind of problematic. We need to address this and, and make sure it's properly positioned and all that. But there's so many things I learned from just burrowing through the website. Like, for example, Richard Sherman has not only written a musical theme for this thing, but also a song. I guess the other thing that concerns me is if you really dig down into the site, at one point there's a message to the effect of, do you have a theater? Would you like to hold a screening of Mushka?" And it's just sort of like, oh, come on. This is Andreas Deja, one of the the genuine masters of hand-drawn animation. People got to get behind this thing. Yeah, we got to help get the word. I didn't know
1: that. I didn't know that the Shermanator was on on board, <laughs> but now that makes it even more <laughs> exciting.
0: Uh, oh wow, hadn't heard of that name. Okay, so all right. Well, It'll again, be back, Jim. D- Okay, okay. <laughs> all right. You work your magic. See if we can get an Andreas on board the, the show. Okay, well, folks, lots more news to come. And speaking of the news, news portion of fine-tuning is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience every time, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, uh, I wanted to get to Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur before Drew and I recorded this morning. Got it on the DVR. Did you see this... Dick Tracy zooms in thing?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I almost asked you for your Spectrum login, Jim, because I don't have cable anymore. So I was, you know, denied the pleasure. I'm hoping this will be on YouTube soon. It looks too bizarre to not. But you want to say what it is first? Uh,
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, because didn't Warren Beatty do something similar in 2008? Yes. interview with Leonard Moulton... Where Beatty dressed up as Dick Tracy, and it was just was this half-hour long interview, right?
1: Yeah, shot on the lot mm-hmm. uh, by Emmanuel Lubeski, <laughs> the Oscar-nominated <Wow>. cinematographer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And you know what? When I was at Disney and I was, you know, trying to think of stories for this website, mm-hmm. I actually called Leonard Malton and mm-hmm. got the story. So mm-hmm. we ran there was there's actually a story on Disney.com. You can find it now, I'm sure, about The making of that super weird Mm -hmm. special but it seems to be that every i don't know decade or so he just has to re-up the rights and do something with the character yeah uh so that's what this was again here's the thing i love leonard (laughs) malton
0: he was the author of the very first disney reference book i ever bought so it's you know i i I never want to talk badly of, of him but boy i don't know if you Seen what's being said on on social media today about this particular, and again, it's it, it's basically a Zoom meeting, but again, it's a Zoom meeting that got shown on Turner Classic Movies. So evidently, that's enough for Warren to hang on to the the movie rights to Dick Tracy for another set number of years, but. The phrase train wreck came up a lot. Yeah. I have been known to slow down for car accidents, so you know, you you tell me it's a train wreck and I I have to watch it. So
1: we'll figure out how to how to watch it. There we go. There there we go. I'll will find it, Jim, and we'll we'll talk about it next week. But yeah, I can't wait to watch Devil Dinosaur. Also, it, the art style just looks so cool. Well, no, it's and it's, also they sent me, Jim, hmm. a pair of roller skates, so I'm ready to be. The Are next you kidding?
0: Oh, that's so cool!
1: Now they're I, very cool. I, next time I go to Moonlight, Jim, hmm. I will be looking fresh. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah. Very cool.
0: All right. Now, speaking of the art style of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, Ben Juwono, who was hired as the supervising animator on Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur back in 2019, because it was going to have such a specific style, he put together a storyboard visual guide that could then be used by the directors, board artists, and revisionists who were going to come work on this Marvel television animation project. And what's really kind of cool is that if you go on Twitter to Ben's Twitter feed, he's put up about 10 or 15 pages from this 150-page guide. It literally pops the hood on the style of the show. And if you're a fan of of how the sausage gets made, so to speak— these things that, that Banner have shared are absolutely amazing about how, for example, how the character, her is a civilian versus moon girl. You know, the difference in posing, the difference in the way her eyes are done when she's wearing the goggles. I mean, it's really, really, really worth checking out.
1: This, this show has been in development for so long, so that'll be such a fun oh. reference for people to see why it took so long and how it ended up. And I think we should tell people, too, Jim, that it's on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. On the fifteenth, so they're doing this quick turnaround, which I really love. Mm-hmm. Of you know, airing on on linear and then going to Disney Plus. So that'll be this the day after this show airs mm-hmm. will be uh, it'll be on uh, on Disney Plus.
0: Cool, cool, cool. All right, you kind of alluded to this at the top of the show, so let's just get into it. Earlier this week, Bob Iger, during an earnings call for the Walt Disney Company, revealed that there are Three sequels in the works. Care to list what's coming down the pike, Drew? Oh, absolutely, Jim. Well, Mm. as I alluded to before,
1: uh, that Josh was very tight-lipped about, there will be Frozen 3 coming from Walt Disney Animation Studios. Mm -hmm. Also coming from Walt Disney Animation Studios, a Zootopia sequel, perhaps the worst-kept secret, in all of animation, and a project I've been referring to as *Tutopia*, uh, and also another Toy Story, Toy Story 5. Now, that is where we should talk about th- how things are playing out on social media, because Tim Allen, mm-hmm, who was mm-hmm. recently accused of showing his bits to Pamela Anderson Mm -hmm. seemed to have uh, like almost prematurely announced it or announced his involvement, but there is no confirmation from Disney that he's even a part of this sequel. So I don't really know what's going on there. What did, what did you think about that whole thing?
0: In regard to frozen three, anytime anyone is willing to hand Josh Gad national treasure, corporate night, you know, a check. (laughs) I'm a happy guy. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But you remember the Into the Unknown making Frozen 2, the, the limited series over at Disney Plus?
1: Uh, yes, I cannot stop thinking about it, Jim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> maybe the most honest look, maybe besides the sweat box, the most honest look at the production of an animated feature ever.
0: I totally agree. And in fact, that brings me to I wanna say in the, the either the second or the last or the actually the last episode. There is that meeting. It's like three months out from when the film is being released. And it's Jennifer Lee. It's Peter Del Veco, And they call all the creatives into a room. And what they basically say is, who's calling Elsa? Who is this mysterious voice? They are months away from this thing actually going into theaters. And they still haven't figured out. The thing that sets the plot in motion, you know, the whatever that mysterious voice that only Elsa can hear that that is calling her to go off, and they make a decision that day in the room. And spoilers, folk, that it's her mom, right?
1: I guess, but it's also like her. She is the yeah. fifth element, or whatever the heck they. I, well, that's a thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Where we stand now, you know, Frozen Two. What it, it made billions.
1: Highest grossing animated movie of all time. Yeah.
0: There we go. So it's hard to stand here and say it didn't work. But, you know, from a story point of view, I really don't feel like that one hung together. And and more to the point, where are they going to go with three? I feel like the story possibilities at this point are kind of limited. I mean, Anna and Kristoff have a child that also has magical abilities or... Olaf gets a girlfriend or a boyfriend, or Elsa gets a a girlfriend or a boyfriend. You know, I mean, well, I, that's the problem too with
1: these movies that have so few characters. Mm-hmm. That it's like, there, uh, where are we going here? I mean, at least with Toy Story, there's about seventy five speaking roles. Well, there you go. You know, so there we go. When they said Toy Story five, I was like, oh, this can literally be anything. This could be a, you know. Woody and Bo, it could be Buzz and the
0: rest of the gang, it could be a new character with new toys. But at the same time, and no disrespect to Angus McLean, because I really enjoyed Lightyear, I thought it was a great film I still don't understand what happened there, whether it was marketing or just bringing the film to the market at the wrong time, but that to me would have been a flashing red sign that maybe we need to let Toy Story rest for a bit, that maybe there isn't the appetite there for another film here. And I know a lot of people have a trouble with the storyline for Toy Story 4, but it had a great ending. It really did. I mean, you know, I I absolutely love that scene of she'll be fine. Bonnie will be fine. And that Woody gets his happy ending. He gets to go off... With Bo Peep and and effectively rescue toys for the rest of his existence, and if they wind up doing something that then undoes that ending, I'm not going to be happy. Yeah,
1: I think Toy Story 4 rules, and I yeah, that's why I think that they should just do some other, you know, some other planet in the in the Toy Story galaxy. But, the, you know, Jim, we got to think about the fact there's a hotel being rethemed mm. to Toy Story in Anaheim right now. Some very ugly colors are going up <laughs> on the outside. Uh, okay. And there's a barbecue place opening up. And, you know, there's a lot of. No, no, no. no, no okay,
0: there's okay. always
1: a. The sun never sets on the Toy Story Empire, Jim. Well, okay.
0: There is in the vaults at Disney the script for the Toy Story 3 that was going to be made at Circle 7 that actually has a really good story. You know the story, right? You know, yeah,
1: the, it's a good script. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, the whole notion that Buzz gets recalled and gets sent back to Japan and this the tearful goodbye as he gets put in the box and then, what is it, the characters are watching television and they find out that the toys are actually going to be destroyed. They're not going to be fixed and sent back and so Woody and the the Andy's room gang, you know, put themselves in a box and they can get to Japan faster and their job is to go rescue Buzz. I mean, what do they call them, right. <laughs> do that story and not screw up Buzz, yes. Buzz and, and Bo's ending it. And, and while we're, we're making suggestions that Disney will never take, let me put another one out there because, you know, frankly, the internet has been asking for this to happen since Rise of the Guardians came out in 2012. It's like, just canned DreamWorks Animation a giant pile of money and get the rights to bring Jack Frost into the Frozen universe. (laughs) You can go online now and watch these amazing videos that are up on YouTube where industrious, you know, 11 and 12 year olds have edited together these amazing scenes where Jack Frost and Elsa are interacting and, and they're a lovely couple and they're really funny. And well, what about this,
1: Jim? What about the Jack Frost from uh, Santa Claus 3 played by Martin Short? Uh We can put that Jack Frost in (laughs)
0: Oh, 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 you are doing no one <laughs> any favors by putting that idea out there. You know. It, it, on the other hand, just in the past year, we saw Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland all playing Spider-Man in the same movie. Don't tell me that if somebody from Disney went to DreamWorks and said, this is Frozen. These are the top earning animated films of all time. We could make a bundle of money. Give us Jack Frost. Who knows? You know, Jim, we should talk about some other
1: possible sequels that almost happened in the second half. Should we do that in the second half of the show?
0: Okay. And speaking of which, we'll continue the device that nobody wants in the second half of the show. But first this. We were just talking about DreamWorks Animation, Rise of the Guardians. And that was produced under Bill Damaschuk's watch over at dreamworks Studios? i don't know how to
1: say his last name jim okay we'll, well just yeah but he was a long time did you see that he started as like a story assistant on pocahontas this is what
0: i'm talking about this is a guy who you know in fact when jeffrey walked out the door there were you know a lot of folks who followed him over to dreamworks and then did that that amazing 10-year run of films there and then he rose up through the ranks then went over to uh, Skydance in October of 2017 and hung on there till John Lasseter came on as the new key creative there uh, in uh, January of 2019. And the reason we're bringing up Bill is the trades are announcing that there's a very strong possibility that he's going to be the guy who winds up in charge of Warner Brothers Animation that supposedly well, date-
1: okay we have to wait 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 we gotta what? have to clarify this Jim because some of the trades got this wrong okay he will not be in charge of Warner Brothers Animation he will be in charge of Warner Animation Group so uh, Warner Animation uh, does like Velma and the shows and Teen Titans and Warner Animation Group is responsible for the feature the computer animated feature length films mm-hmm. so. Lego Movie, Abominable, uh, Mummies, which is coming out later this year, Acme versus Coyote, mm-hmm. that's Warner Animation Group. So that would be – and that, that is also the company that we we will remember that that Ron and John were working on a project for a few years ago that yeah. we still have, know nothing about. So, But that yeah. was
0: also a DC title. In fact, I wanted yes, exactly. to talk with you about this because, again, if you think about it with James Gunn and Peter Safran – now in charge of uh, DC Studios over there. Have you heard anything about what's going on with DC home entertainment, those wonderful home premieres that they do?
1: No, I haven't. You know, The only thing they really announced during that that big show mm-hmm. case thing was the Creature Commando show, which looks very much in the same art style as those home video premieres. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. And it, there's a lot of uh, as many as many answers as that thing gave us. There are a lot of questions. No, absolutely, remain.
0: and it would just it would just kind of kill me, given that how consistently high quality those home premieres have been. I I, I would argue they've been the strongest DC content produced during a. You know, I mean, there's been some good stuff. There's been some really uneven stuff. I really like that Catwoman one recently. Did you see that kind of anime? Yeah, one? yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, that's a thing. They, they do some amazing stuff there. So really hoping that James and Peter understand that's a gem. That already works. You don't need to fix that. Um, all right. Other news, folks. Did you see where Thomas Newman has been hired to write the score for Elemental?
1: I did. I did. Mm. This is his first Pixar Score since finding Dory, I want to say
0: that sounds about right. Okay, so it was nice to see him back in the building, so to speak. And did you see the three Grammys that Encanto picked up this past week?
1: Oh, we'd love to see it, Jim. We mm-hmm. love this. See- did you watch the uh, Hollywood Bowl show, by the way?
0: I have caught a couple of pieces of it, it was just enough. During the We Don't Talk About Bruno number to see the dozens of people dressed as rats dancing in the aisles at, at the Hollywood Bowl, not to mention the giant Bruno puppet. It's like, oh. Isn't I, that amazing? I, I, I just, yeah. I, I have to watch this whole thing at some point. Oh, just found out this week, J.B. Kaufman, who, by the way, has written two amazing books about early, early Disney feature-length projects. I mean, his, his Snow White book is unsurpassed about that film. Likewise, uh, his Pinocchio book. Just found out he's doing a Fantasia book. The title is Worlds to Conquer, The Art and Making of Walt Disney's Fantasia by J.B. Kaufman. It will be coming out in October of this year from Weldon Owen Press. So He was hanging out with Didier at uh, D23. What?
1: So was, you know, that's right. you get those you get those two together, Jim. Watch out!
0: Watch out! <laughs> well, speaking of which, we had DDA on the show, and he was talking about his true life adventure book, which finally came out. You know, in fact, I picked up a copy at the D twenty three Expo last fall, and uh, a wonderful read. We need DDA back on the show.
1: Yeah, yeah, he he reaches out every once in a while. We should definitely get him okay. get him back.
0: Okay. I don't know if we talked about this on the last week's show, but you you did mention uh off air that you had gotten to see what, an episode or two of Agent Elvis? No. Well, I had seen a sizzle. Okay, there no. was not
1: even as much footage in the trailer. Um and I did not know that it was that it was Matthew
0: McConaughey. I will say that. <laughs> oh Yeah, no, no, this was during your visit to Sony Pictures Animation, right? Yes, yes. Ah, okay. So well I, again I have to admit That was kind of a surprise. So the footage that accompanied that announcement last week, I mean, I I love the style of the show. But I have to admit, I'm I'm intrigued that Priscilla Presley is on board as a producer of this thing with with Elvis with a pistol-packing monkey.
1: Oh, the, pissed, the monkey also does lines of cocaine and bites people's faces off, Jim. So th- it's <laughs> whatever you're thinking the show will be. It's probably not. Uh, but uh, yeah. Oh,
0: God. Okay. So <laughs> as long as we're making friends here, folks, let's talk about this story that broke this past week about The Simpsons and the Hong Kong version of Disney+. Plus. Did you see this thing? They, they were censoring the episode? I saw that,
1: yeah. Yeah, Yeah, not great. Not great. And it's such a mild joke.
0: It's Lisa on the equivalent of a Peloton bike watching a video, and she's supposedly riding along the Great Wall of China. And the the narration or the gag here is that the instructor says, behold the wonders of China, Bitcoin mines, forced labor camps where children make smartphones and romance. And it's like, that's enough to have to, to pull that down. It's just amazing when you think about, well, we can't do this because we're going to offend the people in Hong Kong. But if you watch the rest of The Simpsons episodes and, and how cutting they are about American culture, that sort of thing, I mean, it just, the teeth are still out. It's just, you know, it's just not for that market. Yes. Speaking of markets, earlier this week on Twitter, artwork for... Metro bubbled up.
1: Well, this actually connects to to Devil Dinosaur because it, it does. So, it does. the yeah. initial concept art inspired the initial development of Devil Dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what was in this artwork, Jim, though, that, that piqued our interest?
0: This was yet another spin off from Cars. The first five years that Cars existed as a franchise, Disney, what was it? It was. $10 billion globally in retail sales tied to, to cars. Did
1: you ever go into that consumer products building at GC3 that just had the wall of all the little cars? It was very cool. But, it I mean, it was. it was a huge deal.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So that's how we got Cars 2 in 2011. But then the thinking was that we want to expand the toy line, which is why, what, in 2013, we got the first of the Planes movies which was followed by Planes, Fire and Rescue, which I actually liked the, the sequel more than I, I liked the original. I agree. But at the same time, they, they talked about then, and, and by the way, this wasn't done by picture, this was done by Disney Tunes Studios, right?
1: Yes, correct, yeah.
0: Which was part of the Glendale Creative Campus, uh, had a, a, a wonderful little studio there, Didn't they share a parking lot and like a common area with Disney television animation across the way or?
1: Yeah, they did. And it was right next. Well, it was across the street from Imagineering too. It was. Always a lot of fun people. Yeah.
0: No, absolutely. But there was a plan to further expand the line of both films and products. So they had started work on a further spinoff that was about boats There was another one that was going to be trucks. And in fact, they got close with Planes Three, right? I, didn't we? Didn't we get? Well, to see it
1: wasn't. It wasn't really. I don't know if it was. Plane, it was like in the Planes universe, but it was sort of the Top Gun of Planes. No, that's yeah.
0: exactly. In fact, this was the Top Gun Maverick. You know, in fact, weren't, yeah. weren't they at one point calling it Space or something? To that effect. I mean, they they had no title for this. They hadn't quite got. But they showed.
1: Were you at that D twenty three where they showed the footage?
0: Oh yeah, the, the supersonic plane that. Blew the two jets out of the air. Yeah, Yeah. it it looked really, really promising. But in addition to this, and and this brings us to what Drew and I were talking about uh, just a moment ago, there was also Metro, which this was the urban take on the car's world. I mean, the, the, the notion of the cars that were looking to travel around a fairly gritty New York City would drive down into the subway system and basically the main... Characters of this thing were going to be subway trains and trains, right?
1: Yeah. If you'll remember that the branding for planes was mm-hmm. from the world above there cars. There we go. There so we go. this one was going to be from the world below cars. And the, the artwork, which Steve Loder put up, uh, who is an executive producer of uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, shows a subway with the typical kind of cars face. And yeah, and, and cars going below ground into the subway station. But mm-hmm. it said, uh, we developed a graphic dynamic representation of New York that had had elements carry over to Moon Girl. Jermaine Fowler would have been the lead character designer mm-hmm. and Raphael Sadiq, who is an amazing producer and songwriter, would have done the songs and score. Which is just what could have been, Jim. Oh, yeah. This looks really cool. But this is like, this maybe would have beat into the Spider-Verse kind of to the punch in terms of this graphic you're version not, you're of wrong. New you're
0: York. Not wrong. But and and if you talk with folks <laughs> on the consumer product side of things, this is the one they were really, really excited about because it's just it was the notion of they had in hand the Thomas the Tank engine toy sales figures. And it was just sort of like, if we do this, if if we move into the train space, we can print money forever. Lassiter eventually kind of lost his enthusiasm for Disney Toon Studios, and it eventually shut down, What two thousand? Yeah, June of two thousand eighteen. Sad, sad. Yeah, I know. And and in fact, the previous year's D twenty three Expo, the teaser trailer for the space thing that Drew and I were talking about. Uh, they announced that that was going to be released theatrically in April of 2019. And, and when Disney Toon Studios closed, all of this stuff went away.
1: But there was going to be one more Cars movie.
0: Mr. Purcell um, doesn't Steve get... Steve much- Purcell, who's
1: a genius who did he- Sam and Max and Absolutely. the Toy Story that Time Forgot, which is such a kick-ass little... Christmas special. It is? Uh, Yeah, Steve was developing a fourth Cars movie, a canonical fourth Mm -hmm. Cars. And after three didn't live up to what they wanted, that kind of put by the wayside. Now, Steve was brought back for those shorts Mm -hmm. last year. Mm -hmm. So I said, oh my God, I'm going to get him. I'm going to have him admit Mm -hmm. that he was making this fourth movie. Mm -hmm. And he just completely shot me down. Mm -hmm. He was like, what are you talking about? I, would, I mean, I wasn't working on anything. Okay, but you you directed and wrote six <laughs> car shorts that could have very easily been compiled into a single movie. But.
0: Actually, nine. 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 nine, okay, car, nine car shorts. shorts. Yeah. And, and you look at this Cars on the Road, that Lightning and Mater on a road trip across country to get to Mater's sister's wedding. And it's it's a loose construct, but when you look at these nine different shorts and all of the different flavors, you know, all the different story ideas that were out there, it's just sort of like, I have to ask the very same thing you were thinking. It's like, what of this pile of stuff that was developed for the, the fourth Cars film like it made its way into... Cars on the road. Do I
1: got to draw you a diagram, Jim? <laughs> I mean, look at it. It's a car thing. It's they're on their way. They're riding the road. Uh, I don't know.
0: Until he's actually willing to tell that story, I guess we'll have to take him at his word. So, seriously, if, if you want to see some amazing artwork, as, as Drew just mentioned, head on over to Steve Loader's Twitter feed. And likewise, if you hammer on. Pixar Metro concept art. Uh, There's another bunch of of pieces that come up, and it just had such an amazing style and such an amazing look. And if this is what influenced Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, as soon as we finish up here, I'm going to go check that out. And speaking of things you should be checking out, if you are not listening to the Light Diffuse podcast, this wonderful series of shows that Drew does with the equally talented Charles Hood, You are missing out on so many great behind-the-scenes stories when it comes to, well, not just the Mission Impossible movies, but so many major releases from studios other than Paramount. Drew, what's going on with the show this week?
1: Uh, this week, uh, this Friday, we have the second part of our interview with Eric Jenderson, who's the co-writer of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 and 2, mm-hmm. which, you know, little films that we might be looking at uh, covering more in depth in a few months. <laughs> okay. But um, he, You'll love it, Jim, because he, he, he talks about Band of Brothers, writing Band of Brother, Brothers this week, oh. um, which is, uh, you know, some great stories. And also... Mm-hmm. He was working on a Majestic 12 series for ABC. So I had to ask him, you know, are we alone? And you're going to get that answer.
0: Oh. And the
1: answer is no. Um, But yeah.
0: (laughs) Wow. Oh, cool, cool, cool.
1: He said he did more research for this Majestic 12 story show than Band of Brothers. So, yeah.
0: And why you want to follow Drew on social media is to be aware when these pieces drop, on The Wrap or, for that matter, when new episodes of Light Diffuser are up and available. Uh, Drew, can you tell folks where they can find you on social media? Sure. Uh, Drew Taylor,
1: like a tailored shirt, on Instagram and Twitter. I, I guess we're still doing Twitter, even though, God, what what a horrible experience Twitter has become. I mean, not just because of the people on it, but because of the ability to look through it. We're still there, Jim. You are, you're there, too. I am. So why don't you tell people where to find you?
0: You can find us. On Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media, and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. And let's see, in closing here, folks, if you could do Drew and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review, well, not just the show you're listening to right now, fine tuning, but also Light Diffuse. That's going to do it for this week, folks. Thank you for listening. And Drew and I will be back soon.